beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. Well, we started out as friends. <laughs> yeah. We did. I mean, one might even say we had a run there where we were like best friends. One might say that. But we're not now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. My husband, Jeff, can be a man of few words, and yet I insist on recording with him a few times a year for a few reasons. One reason is because this podcast is many things, including me sharing my life with you, and I cannot possibly share myself without occasionally including the most important people in my life, my family. Another reason is that recording conversations with the people closest to me, whether I ever share them publicly or not, it is a form of documenting. And if you've been around here for a while, you know how much I value documenting our lives through our journals, through our social media, through our photos and conversations. But the real reason I wanted to have this particular conversation with Jeff publicly is because of the topic my husband is not my best friend. This is one of my core friendship philosophies, one of five friendship philosophies that I write about in my new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. Now, whenever I share online or on this show or even in person that my husband is not my best friend, it always gets a lot of reaction. People assume that I'm 
slamming him or our marriage or something because it has become so common for us to say that we have married our best friend. That that is a sign of a healthy marriage, or at least it should be the basis of one. But while Jeff is the most important person in my life, he is not my best friend. He's my partner. He's my co-parent. He is my first and last conversation almost every single day. But he is not my best friend. He's my husband. I have best friends, and it's a different relationship. Early in our marriage, when I tried to make Jeff my best friend, I put all of my most important emotional needs and desires into one person and into that one relationship, and it was bad for our marriage. It was a lot of pressure. I realized that I needed to feel deep connection with more than one person for all kinds of reasons. But as much as I talk or write about it, I didn't want you to just take my word for it. I wanted you to hear his perspective on it, which actually turns out to be a little different from mine. In our conversation here, we talk about a lot of stuff from our own relationship to our various friendships to my seasons of loneliness and how he dealt with that. My hope is that this conversation will give you something to think about that counters the current cultural ideal that our partners have to be our best friends. Maybe it will become a talking point with your partner or with your best friends. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on this topic, make sure you grab my new book, The Life Council: Ten Friends Every Woman Needs, available for pre-order in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook now. Go to thelifecouncilbook.com to learn more. And now here's my conversation with my husband, my not best friend, Jeff Tremaine. Does it hurt your feelings when I say you're not my best friend? No. Why, why would I be your best friend? I think it's become common. I don't think historically that's what marriage was. I mean, you know, it used to be more of like a business arrangement almost or, you know, like a family arrangement. But now it's very popular and posed as romantic to marry your best friend. I think because you want to have a foundation of friendship, which is, you know, the person you want to be with the most or the person that makes you laugh the most or, you know, it's like, oh, we get to be best friends, have all the benefits of what friendship is. And then there's like a sexual element. Right. Like, I think that's what people mean. But for me, putting all of your, all the things that you love about various relationships into one person, you know, all the things that you love about your friends, plus all the things that you love about your romantic partner into one person is like, it's a heavy lift. (laughs) Well, I'm sure with my personality, you would need to supplement that with Others. Well, but truly, back to our roots of, well, we were employer-employee first, which was its first level of problematic. Right. <laughs> but, then, but then when we became true friends after working together for a, a while, years, and then we were truly friends. We spent a lot of time together completely platonically for a good two years When it did become romantic, what switched for you or did something switch for you where you were like, 
okay, well, now we're not friends. We're this other thing. I mean, it switched right away, but it didn't, I don't know, it didn't feel that different. Wasn't like different switches going on and off? I mean, no, not, not 100%. Do you feel it was? I don't feel it was because I think in our friendship portion, I was romantically in love with you. Mm. Even if we weren't romantic, my feelings weren't that different. So then when it did like officially change, I mean, I had already made the switch, I guess is what I'm saying, Mm. from wanting to be more than friends for a long time. So, so no, it wasn't a switch for me. When did you, would you like to share with everyone? When, when, (laughs) when you saw me differently from a friend to more than a friend? Because I think, I mean, you were a, a good year or so behind me. Yeah. Uh, it was just a slow evolution. But it was mainly because we, yeah, the complications of me being your boss and <laughs> it was tricky. So, like, you just hadn't let yourself think about it? Right. In your past romantic relationships, did were you friends first or was it like, would you like to go on a date first or whatever? Because I'm thinking... All of my past, my biggest past relationships before you, except for one, we were friends first before something changed. So for me, it was sort of a pattern. No, I've, I've had both. I, like, I don't know. I've... Well, let's talk about friendship in general, because I wrote this book about friendship. You did. And the gist of the book is that you can have all kinds of different friends in your life that really add a lot of value and that we really only put friends in really specific categories, like either we're just acquaintances or we're best friends or we're soulmates or, oh, we're just coworkers or we're party friends only or, you know, I I just feel like pop culture has kind of given us a narrative of what adult friendship looks like and so if you don't have that like if you don't have what it's like in the tv shows or movies where it's like soulmates for life or besties or you know read each other's minds finish each other's sentences type of best friends then you're doing it wrong or you're not likable or something like that so i wanted to write this book about how after a lot of friendship ups and downs in my own life including a real season of loneliness that there's other ways you can think about your friendships and assemble a lot of different types of people and a lot of different levels of friendship. But you were there through with me through those lonely years. Mm -hmm. When we met and when we were dating, I feel like I had a lot of friends, super social. And then when we got married, I feel like I hit this wall of friendship and loneliness. Like part of it was because I stopped working in TV mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of my LA friends had been. My local friends had been. And so I was home alone. We were trying to start a family. We were renovating a house. Like I just wasn't very social anymore. I feel like it happened all of a sudden and it sucked. And I was also, that was also the season that I feel like I was putting all of my relationship eggs in your basket because as newly married people I was like oh now we're married but we were sort of best friends before we dated so like Jeff has to be my everything and that was unfulfilling for both of us you were working a lot 
I don't know. Did it feel like a bait and switch? Like you were like, I married this like social butterfly and now what's happening? <laughs> she cries a lot. <laughs> uh, now I already knew all that. Um, <laughs> you knew all what? That I cried a lot? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It didn't feel like a bait and switch, but I, I, know, I see what you're saying. Like that didn't happen for me like it happened for you just because I was still going to work with the same people and the same situation. So, yeah, it took it took you a minute to find your stride. You have a lot of friends. Yeah, I'm super cool. No, I really mean that. Like, obviously, I'm talking mostly to women and stuff online about this topic. It, a lot of times it comes up that their spouse or their brother or their friend who's male or whatever does not have a lot of connection as life goes on. Like in some ways I feel like sometimes the dynamic can be that men expect their wife to be everything. You know, it's like the opposite, like, Mm. Oh, all right. I have a companion. I have someone to talk with and go to meal with and hang out with. Like I don't need a bunch of guy friends necessarily. And then that can be, you know, it's the same dynamic, but going the opposite way, it's still, frustrating and and unfair to the other partner I feel like but you have always had a lot of friends in fact in our wedding you had how many groomsmen I had a bunch how many did I have I don't know you had 12 I had 12 and you had had to cut it down from like 18 mm-hmm. like when we first I remember when we sat down to make the list your list was so long and I was like you can't you can't <laughs> I'm a lot older. I have have a lot (laughs) more time to establish more friends. So I have friends from different stages in my life there. Okay, name the stages that the groomsmen represented. Or just stages of life now. Let's keep it for now of type of friends you have. Like circles of friends that you have that are your main Well, I've got my, like, couple of high school friends, mainly Greg and... Spike. And Spike I'm still in business with, so I see him more. And Greg was just out here. Um, <clears throat> and then I have, like, Andy Jenkins and stuff, who's sort of a mentor when I first moved out here. Um, but we don't, I don't see him much. I don't, you know, but still consider him a great friend. Um, and then, well, my college friends that we have a fantasy football league together with, so that keeps us all in touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I don't know, <laughs> I've got my work friends. You have work friends. You have dad friends now? Yeah, and I have some dad friends now. I think you thought you weren't really going to have dad friends. Like, you're like, I have a lot of friends. Like, I'm good. I feel like that was your vibe. When we when the kids got to elementary school age and I was starting to make mom friends, you were, not in a rude way, but just sort of like, yeah, my cup is full. I didn't feel that way. I just, I don't know. It just took a minute. I, I didn't. Not you know, not try to have friends. I, I didn't look at it in any sort of way. So. Well, but as it has played out, it's really nice to have friends whose kids are in the same activities, or right. have friends when you have to be at a school event once a week or whatever. You have people to sit with, right? Yeah, um, definitely. Like you have to have friends that are at the level of life you are, right? Like so, dad friends make perfect sense, <laughs> you know, they're at the same stage. Yeah, now our kids are 13 and 11. And so now the friends that we started to make, you know, in 
early elementary school. So five, six years ago. Well, now we have like lifetime memories with them. Mm-hmm. Like when you first make parent friends, it's like what I said, like, oh, it's just nice to have someone to be in the bleachers with or whatever. But then as time goes on, like when Lucy graduated from sixth grade last year from our elementary school and everybody was scattering across the city to different schools, like it was so nostalgic, not just because of the kids. Like I was like looking right. at the parents and I was like, oh, we've gone through this thing together. Mm-hmm. We have inside jokes. We have like, you know, history. We've traveled together. We've. And not just the people that we're really deeply, deeply in community with, because there's a group of those, but even just the wider circle of just like, oh, my gosh, like we did this whole run together. We did pandemic schooling together. Like, every, I don't know. It felt like I think it felt like some friends, parent friends that you make feel like they're very temporary, like maybe just for a season. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There are some that are that way. But I guess when I was thinking of them as temporary just for a season, I was just thinking like, oh, companions on this road of life. I wasn't necessarily thinking like, oh, I'm really going to have genuine affection, Mm -hmm. even though we're not deep friends, but just because we have all these shared memories. Mm -hmm. I am sure that you can agree that literally no one wants to smell bad. But sometimes regular underarm deodorant just isn't cutting it. Or maybe it's not your underarms that need help. With Lumi, you don't have to worry. Lumi is the first of its kind in total body deodorant and is fully safe to use anywhere on your body. It is clinically proven to block odor all day and control it for up to 72 hours. The secret is mandelic acid, where instead of masking odor with a fragrance, it stops the odor before it even starts. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free, as well as pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. Use code U for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code U, Y-O-U, at lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com for so long since we were like dating and I was getting to know them because they don't live here in LA. So we have to make an effort to see them. And we have over the years, like we've done long weekends, you do boys weekend with them at least once, if not twice or more a year. So y'all make an effort in your own friendship. But even as families, like we see them if we visit their city or if they come to our city. And College was a long time ago for you. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was the 80s. I mean, the 80s was... It's not that long ago. What do you think the key is to staying in touch with your college friends at the level you do? I, most people do not do multiple weekends a year with our college friends. I don't know. I mean, most of it's just because we have such a comfortable old bond. You know, like, it's just... I, I, I don't need to talk to them every you know, week even. And as soon as we get together, it's just like it always was. 
So, do you feel like y'all have stayed the same? Like, are you just like same old Todd? <laughs> or mostly, yeah. Like, there's a consistency that that's comforting to that, right? Like, so we there's probably a bit of a regression when we all get together just to keep it that way. Do you feel like because you started your fantasy football league, which is primarily your college friends, mm-hmm. it's morphed a little now, but for a long time was your college friends. When did y'all start that league? The 90s? Yeah. Beginning of the 90s, like 91. Wait, how did you do fantasy football in 91? Isn't it all on the it internet? Was, no, back then it was like mail. <laughs> like we would get, they would mail us the results of our matchups and we'd have to call it in, the team in. On the phone? Mm-hmm. Who did you call? There was, there was this company called Stats, and we would call it in. You'd talk to the guy, and he'd put it in your lineup, and then you'd track it in the newspaper. You'd kind of add it up, the scores, you know. Well, you were a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> this, it's crazy. And then eventually you could pay extra and get the facts. So you get an extra, you get a day earlier. So. Oh, like a fax, like they would F-A-X you? Yeah. So. Did you splurge for that? No, I never splurged for the facts. <laughs> okay, well, but fantasy football, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it as an institution. But I do think it has kept y'all in touch. Yeah, it's a dumb reason, but it, it works. It's effective. <laughs> Keep us all together. Because y'all trash talk every week. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's what you have built your... Main boys weekend together every year is around your fantasy football draft, which is sort of not a dumb reason to get together. You could certainly do it online at this point, but mm-hmm. it's like a nice way to build in that time together every year around an event. Like for me, and I have good friends from different stages of my life too, but we don't have like as unifying a thing. Like y'all have to do that draft every year. Right. And so it's just easy to build the weekend around it. But, like, we're just like, oh, maybe when someone has a milestone birthday, we do a weekend away or when we're all just in the mood or – I don't know. I do think there's something really – it just takes the a little bit of the decision-making out of it of, like, mm-hmm. every August, y'all get together. Right. And you have to – you choose cities and there's stuff to plan. But you're not having to pick a time. One of my good friend groups – We do all want to get together every fall, but the rub every single year is picking a weekend Mm -hmm. because it's a pretty big group. And, of course, you're just not going to get, like, 13 women to be able to, like, have the same schedule. But the way that y'all have done it, it is basically a certain weekend in August every single year. Like, come or don't come. Mm -hmm. Like, work your schedule around it or don't. But this is when it is every year. And almost everyone always makes it, like. Oh, yeah. Rare exceptions. People come from – you have members that live in other countries. Yeah. And then Spike, that you already mentioned, your childhood friend, your business partners. You've been business partners for – since when? Well, beyond partners, like, he got me my job out here. I worked with him. You know, it's my first career job. Mm-hmm. And then Right out of college. Right out of college. And then stayed in, you know, in touch with him throughout but uh we've been business partners since i guess 99 so basically 25 years mm-hmm. of business partnership and then friends for much longer than that but like is it a plus or a minus or both to be in business with someone you've known since you were like 
I'd say, I'd say it's a plus just because that long history helps us. I don't know. It just makes it feel good. It's like a bond that would be harder to break. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't we do not do daily stuff, and, you know, only when we're doing a big project. You're not the type of business partners that, like, have to see each other in the literal office. Right. Only in the, when we do a movie, then we're... Right. So. But still, that's... It's, yeah, it's, every few years yeah, at most. Exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not that demanding of a business partnership. But so. still, I mean, complications are complications. Like, mm-hmm. when you are friends with someone that you also have, like, are bound to them legally in certain capacities, like, it's a thing. Yeah. I think it helps that you've known each other for a really long time and also that you're both successful outside of that business partnership like that business partnership is just one thing in a lot of things you both have whereas i think sometimes if it was your only right livelihood yeah it doesn't have a lot of pressures on it yes that's what i'm trying to Beyond say when we're making a project we you know we all we all want you know do whatever it takes to make it as good as it can be and sometimes we butt heads on stuff but in general it's usually pretty easy because we're all trying to make it great. Okay, well, back to you and me. <laughs> being friends or not being friends, as the case may be. Because we're friends. I wouldn't say we're not friends. We are friends. Of course we are. I mean, I mean it. It's not that I'm not only making a point by saying my husband is not my best friend. It's not saying my husband and I are not friends. It's not right. saying my husband is not the most important person to me. I do think that when I say it, I feel a lot of judgment. I feel like people are like, oh, their marriage is in trouble. <laughs> or, you know, then I, when I have also talked about this online, I also get like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. Which is the reason we share things is so that you can see that you're not the mm-hmm. only one. Am I your best friend? No, I wouldn't say you're my best friend. Well, that was mm-hmm. a long pause. Well... As time's rolled on, I tend to just like to hang out <laughs> at the house more than I used to. I used to always just go out with friends, and, and I've sort of, not well, stopped, but that has become a few and far between thing. But that's not because of me. No, it's not because of you. By default, you're the only one hanging out, so. <laughs> I'm your friend by default, is what you're saying. Yeah, and just by <laughs> proxy. <laughs> and because I'm super funny. You are not as funny as you think you are. No, I'm, I'm sorry that you don't see it. That's why you're not my best friend. My best friends, they see it. They know how funny I am. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a part in my book where I write about how you not being my best friend sort of lets you see some of my friendships a little more objectively. Like having other best friends, which I do. I have best mom friends and best childhood friends and things like that. Having other best friends is a balance because I can talk to you about my friends and I can talk to my friends about you. I do think, well, two things about that. A lot of us were raised that you don't, you know, speak about your marriage outside of your marriage. Like it's really disrespectful to talk about your spouse to your friends, your marriage problems or anything like that, that you should, that's private between just the two of you and all of that. I understand the root of that, of like the respect part 
of struggles and things like that. And then there was like a way that it shifted. I don't know, in like a sex in the city way where I don't want to be at a mom's night out where everyone's bashing on their husbands. Like, that's not fun for me. I don't like that vibe. I don't feel that way about like, that's just not how I want to be at a dinner. So there is a definite happy medium between everybody bash on their husband, which is a real thing, by the way. I've been at girls' dinners that are like that. I'm sure that there's the equivalent of, like, men getting a beer and grumping about their wife, whatever. There's a medium between that and, no, I really need to talk to a friend about this thing that's going on. Like, I need to get it off my chest. I need to get an outside perspective. I need to be held accountable in some ways. Like... We went through not our best marriage moment several years ago, pre-pandemic. And I told some of my local friends who know you and like sort of understood the situation. And I was able to talk to them about it. And they were able to be a lot more objective than I was. I mean, they were on my side. Like, you know, they were would have been Team Laura. Not that there were teams, but you know what I mean? But they were also able to be like, you are super tired. (laughs) Like, you are not seeing this clearly. And I was good enough friends with them, and they know our whole family dynamic, that that was really helpful. I was like, you're right. If I had just, like, stewed in in resentment or if I hadn't talked about it with someone, I mean, that's how things can can get irreparably broken. And I was glad that I had friends I could talk to. Mm -hmm. So that's a balance to that. The other side of that balance of, you know, talking to my best friends about my marriage and then talking to you about my friends, which I do ad nauseum for years and years. <laughs> have you had to listen to my friend drama? I don't actually have that much friend drama, but friend stuff. You can also be more objective about them and say, like, kind of give me a light bulb moment I didn't even know I was having. So here's the example I use in the book. I used to go on a girl's trip with a a set of friends for years until you finally and came home upset until you finally said to me one time do you know you come home from this weekend always upset like have you thought about not going Mm -hmm. and honestly I had never thought about not going well what's this you come home upset you would dread going for the weeks before and it was a whole thing I know but I was working Back then, this was a long time ago, I was working from a scarcity mindset of this was sort of after my lonely season. And so I was like, I can't give up the one girl weekend I'm invited on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm only invited right. once a year to something like this. I can't not do it. And not just because it was the only one I was invited on, but also because I felt like this is how you do friendship. Like, you have to go on the trips. You have to put in the time. You have to show people you care. Like, that's how I was approaching it, which is, you know, a fair way to think about it. But after, like, several years, you were finally like, why do we keep doing this? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I, like, needed almost the permission. Mm -hmm. Permission is a weird word in marriage. But, you know, I needed someone to say, Like, pay attention. Like, are you even hearing what you're saying? Like, why are we going through this every year? I'm tired of it. For me to be like, you're right. Why am I going through this every year? Let alone talking your ear off about it. Like, I'd probably still be going on that trip. Maybe. I think the truth is I kind of got kicked out of that trip, (laughs) didn't I? (laughs) 
kind of. I mean, I th- it was probably mutual. I mean, it was mutual. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. That's why I feel like my husband is not my best friend. That philosophy of if you have other best friends outside of your marriage, that is a good balance. Mm-hmm. For sure. The other thing I wanted to say uh, along that same vein is in a different season in my life, after we had kids and I was struggling, like sort of mental health wise, I was struggling. And you, well, now I'm going to cry. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but you were like, I, I kind of feel like this was a last ditch effort for you, but it really mattered when you were like, should maybe Lindsay come to visit? We were at the lake and you were like, I mean, because you basically said not in this poetic way that I'm going to say it, but you were basically like, when Lindsay's around, you light up. I think you did sort of say something like that. I remember you saying like, you light up around Lindsay and like, Mm -hmm. we need a little light back in your eyes. And she did. She came that summer. Do you remember thinking that? No, but now that you say it, I I guess I do. But Lindsay is someone that just always, you guys just pick up where you left off and just nonstop laughter with you guys. Do you notice different friends bring out different, like, moods or? Um, Yeah, I think so. I think you, you know, we're all sort of that, like a different person to different people, you know. Yeah, for sure. Did you know I also write about Rick in the book? Yeah, you told me that. So you're long time. I mean, he's almost like a brother to you. He's like an uncle to our kids. Like, I don't even, it feels insufficient to just say you're long time friend because mm. that just doesn't really cover what Rick is to our family. But he's someone that you've worked with, started working with in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. And then. The beginning of the 90s. Yeah, continue to work with here, and he's a single guy, no kids. And and that's to his – I mean, he stepped up. You know, most friends, when you get married and then have kids, you, your single friends sort of you – don't, you don't have the same relationship with them that you used to. Yeah, they paid uh, off. They paid off, yeah. But Rick just hung out more than ever, especially when we had kids. Like, he just was there all the time in a great way. I loved it. I mean, we didn't, we don't have family here in the city, like official family, blood family. And when Lucy was born in 2009, so 13 years ago, like Rick started showing up every weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would ask, but he would like, can I come see the baby? He would bring his guitar. He would like, you know, come while she was asleep and let me run an errand or two. Mm -hmm. Like every single weekend. I mean, and almost to this day. Yeah. And that's a special friendship because he, I think he initiated it. It's totally to his credit. Like mm-hmm. you said, he started that pattern. So you have to have someone that, you know, inserts themselves in a healthy way in that way. And then also we were open-armed about it. Like we were like, yes. I mean, we didn't have like an official conversation about it, but I was like, yes, come see the kids. Mm-hmm. I'll make dinner, you know, single guy, like. I love cooking for Rick because he loves to be cooked for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a super special relationship. Yeah. Oh, I know what I want to talk about, too. Another thing I mentioned in the book that I want to hear a few words from you on is 
it might make me cry again. So, oh God, Kira <laughs> is our lake friends, mm-hmm. and we bought this lake house in 2008. We'd been married a year. We didn't have kids yet. We it was a random town. It's a completely random story. We knew literally no one. And I actually wasn't even thinking about making friends there. Like I was thinking about it as a place where we would entertain family and, you know, Mm -hmm. a getaway and whatever. I wasn't really – at that time it wasn't top of mind, which is funny because that was like part of my lonely season. But it still wasn't like top of mind for me to be like, oh, this is where we're going to find a community. Just because it was so random. What happened? Well, the guy who built our house is a real character and he has a lot of funny friends and we just – fell in with them well they took us in they took us in for sure and uh and they're all just very good good people that i don't know we've been through a lot with them we've been through a lot with them even it's actually been so many life lessons for me because they're friends that we only see in the summer i mean there's been a few exceptions with trips or whatever but in general we only see them a month or two a year you know, they're in like have a wildly different part of the country, different lifestyles. Those other 10 months of the year, we live very differently. Mm-hmm. And that just with that sliver of time, you know, less than 10% of your year every year can end up being that meaningful. It's like summer camp for grownups. Like, you know, you only go to summer camp for a few weeks a year right. when you're growing up, but it can be like a monumental place to like make a friend or. Mm-hmm. really like shape your character your life view or whatever worldview that's how i feel like our time at the lake is it's such a short amount of time and it has had such an outsized impact on us and the part that i thought i was going to cry but i've pulled it together you're welcome good job is the year that your brother died well not no i am <laughs> oh come on <laughs> sorry the year that your brother died, it was in the summer, and so we went to the lake as we would have anyway, but mm-hmm. we didn't have any house guests. We didn't have we were very quiet that year, of course. And those friends who by then had known us five or six years, I guess, but they really showed up for us. Yeah. Like we were so sad and we had little kids and they just came over like every day. But anyway, we were also there when we found out Ryan passed. You know, there's been a lot of dramatic things beyond just. Oh, we were at the lake. And, uh, yeah, when Ryan died. And they're just good people that you want to be around. Yeah, but it was like proof that you don't have to have a lifetime bond. Right. To really see someone through grief, you don't have to see them every day. To see someone through grief. I mean, they did. They showed up, you know, almost every day that year, that summer to check on us. Mm-hmm. And it would be quick. I remember they would just like pull up in the boat and almost just like wave like, y'all doing okay? And could kind of read the room if if they should stay or not. But like it made me feel so held, mm-hmm. like so loved. And that was a huge life lesson for me. They didn't, you know, bake us a bunch of casseroles or anything, right. although they would have if we'd. But, I mean, they were more just, like, there. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go eat. We got to eat. Yep. Miller Lite. 
<laughs> Forever. <laughs> yeah. The wake has been amazing. Yeah, and for me, back to the timeline of it all, having those friends kind of suddenly take us in, again, during the years where I didn't have a good community in Los Angeles, which was a quite a long stretch of time, but feeling like, okay, but I did have this place where we had friends. Mm-hmm. And it was a stand-in for a few years. Well, the other thing is, I maybe should have said this at the beginning when I was talking about us dating and being friends and um, you being my boss and stuff, but our age gap is no joke. I mean, we're 13 years apart. And so your friends, your college friends that we've already talked about, when we got married, they had like 10-year-olds or whatever. You know, I mean, they already, they they were way through their baby years. And, you know, we when we got married, you were 41. When Lucy was born, you were 43. So your friends from childhood and college and stuff, I mean, they were just in a really different stage of life. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like there were some times where it felt like, oh, you know, we're the ones with babies or, you know, sometimes it's just hard to match up with old friends and new friends because you're like, oh, like you're way older than me or way younger than me or like we're not going to have anything in common or, you know, it's hard enough. If, if we, if you and I were exactly the same age, it's still hard enough to make friends where like the man likes the man, the woman likes the woman and right. everybody gets along. That's hard enough when there's a lot of similarities. So when there's a lot of differences, it's just an obstacle. But then it kind of shook out, you know, like it didn't end up mattering with our lake friends. As the kids got older and we started to make parent friends, it didn't matter age differences or mm-hmm. well, maybe because we were sharing a stage of life with the parent friends. But what do you think about that I've made so many friends on the Internet? I think it's awesome. But you would never do that. I, don't, I wouldn't say I would never do that. I don't know. I just. You're not on the Internet. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. I don't know. I don't. Does it feel like sketch to you? No. Did it 10 years ago? No, I don't think so. I saw that you were connecting with people and, and finding a community that you really responded to and people responded to you. So I, don't, I, didn't, I never found it sketchy, no. Even when I had them come to the house and stuff? No. <laughs> no, I didn't find it sketchy at all. Well, that is nice because that means you're putting a lot of trust in my discernment. Right. Well, I trust yours over mine. I mean, that's valid. Mm -hmm. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.